For more than 25 years, Atlanta has tuned into my straightforward financial advice. I'm Dr. Gene Hensler, and this is Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. My staff and I will give you fact-based, no-nonsense answers to your financial questions. To have your questions answered on the air, send them to me, Dr. Gene at Hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, April 1st, 2017. The only thing we have to fear is the excessive decline in the dollar, lack of a better word. Late rally on Wall Street. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Good morning, good morning. You're listening to Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio, Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon, and I'm here today with DJ Barker. Hello. And Casey Smith. Both of these guys uh, work in our planning and implementation department at Hensler Financial. And uh, uh, guys, how's it going? Good, Troy. How you doing? I'm doing awesome. Good. Yeah. Uh, Casey, you're a CFP. How do you call it? a certificate? Is that how you describe? Yeah. What is it? the? I don't. I don't want to get in trouble with the board. Right. A, a certified a, financial planner certificate. Certificate. All right. So the CFP DJ, you've got a, a CWS behind your name, certified wealth, wealth strategist. strategist. That's that correct. That? All right. So you guys got everybody. There's a lot covered of initials on the show today. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we got. We're covered I, I, up. I got a couple, but it ain't about me, right? Well, we're talking about first names and oh, no kidding! This is the this is this the is EIO EIO show. KC, yeah. CFP, so, CWS. What yeah. are you? CPA, CFA? I know I'm not a CPA CVA. yet, but I am working toward it. Right. CVA, CFA. Yes, and and they're pretty particular about the way you say that too. I can't say that I am a CFA. You can't use it as a noun. Yeah. You got a Same CFA charter holder. Uh, so yeah. it's a chartered financial analyst. And then a, a holder of the CVA designation, which is Certified Valuation Analyst, more about private business, uh, whereas the CFA is pretty much anything in finance. So, um, Well, guys, uh, good to be on today. Uh, looking at the stock market, uh, with all the action and the news that we had had, I, I really figured we'd come on this week and say the market was down, but it looks yeah. as if yeah. we're positive. around, I guess. Yeah. Of course, this is Thursday, so we've still got a got another day and an hour or so <laughs> exactly yeah um, we do pre-record the show um and uh if you look at what's going on over the last week uh energy has rallied two percent yeah. um still negative on the year by about seven percent wow uh so news hasn't been the best in energy and, and basically it's uh it's about supply there's uh there's a bit too much supply or uh at least that's what they tell us. Uh, OPEC has come out and made some noise about uh, trying to calm its members so that they don't uh, either begin or continue. I guess it's all in, in what you expect out of OPEC. And, and the members have always been uh, real bad. And when the price gets up, they start pumping more than they have agreed uh, to pump. So yeah. uh, they're trying to, to calm them and make sure that supply doesn't get even further out of hand. But uh, we have seen some, some reports lately that uh, – Supply was greater than expected. So uh, energy, again, one of the two negative sectors on the year. Energy down 7%, but up 2% on the week. Uh, telecom is the other. 
It too is uh, it, it's still negative this week, down uh, 29 basis points or 0.29 percent, uh, down over four and a half percent on the year. What would you say accounts for the uh, the telecom sector being being so down? Just not, yeah. not Ear- earnings. earnings. Yeah, earnings weren't too good, and and you know they had an awesome year last year. So uh, coming off the heels of that, it's just uh, kind of slow. If you, this is a thing about measuring performance. You do it over a short period of time, and it looks one way. Uh, you back up and, and use, you know, twice that much data, and it often tends yeah, to look changes. some other way. Yeah, and what happens is, you know, the one sector gets uh, really positive and uh, runs off and leaves everybody else, looks like the big champion, and the next thing you know, it's lagging. So right. uh, it's one of those things we try not to uh, herald too much because we don't want to encourage people to time the market. But uh, uh, if you look at it too closely, it, it would encourage you to do just that's, that. That's yeah, the thing right. about statistics, right? You can kind of make make the numbers say whatever you want them to. Absolutely. To if, if you tinker with the timing, you can surely get different answers for sure. All right. So uh, on the year, information technology is up over 12%, 123 uh, Healthcare has rallied. It's up 8%. Uh, consumer discretionaries are up 8% as well. And uh, consumer staples are also positive 5.93%. Beyond that... You know, I would have expected with uh, rates rising that utilities would have done worse, but they're just slightly lower than the, the overall market. They're up 4.9%, while the market is up 58 as as measured by the S&P 500. So, yeah, along those same lines, wouldn't you expect financials to be a little bit higher with uh, the expected increase in, in interest rates and the actual increase in rates that we've had over the past since the election, really? Yeah, I, sometimes it's not just about higher rates. It's uh, with with banks, especially. It's it's a steeper yield curve, so mm-hmm. uh, that benefits their profit margin. If the uh, ten year increases more than the two year, is usually what we look at there. Uh, I think we've seen an expansion over the, the last few months. Maybe on on average, about I think the the difference right now is one point two four. Uh, Might have been about twenty basis points, or point two percent of an expansion since. Uh, uh, since the election, but right. uh, you know, if you look at all things considered, the biggest thing that has driven uh, financials, and especially the bank, uh, the banking industry, is um, uh, the fact that we expect less regulation. Now, if you think about what's happened since basically the 15th of this month, middle yeah. of the month, uh, we've been seeing uh, health care bill yep. failed in Congress. Yeah. This is the thing. So, why in the world did they not start with the tax reform? I just feel like they could have they could have, they could have got, got the, the tax def, tax reform passed through. It seems that Republicans are more or less on the same page in terms of what they're trying to accomplish with, with that, that. At least with a lot that. more so than the health care bill. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. It seems like get get you a political win, not to mention kind of keep the market expectations in line. And we've seen some of the pullback over the past uh, couple of weeks, I guess, related to a lot of the political yeah. environment and the failure of that health care bill. Right. right. If you look at the numbers, uh, you know, we just talked about it. We're up 1% on the week, but I think overall we're still relatively flat or maybe a little bit down from the 15th of the month. And uh, yeah. and the only change in news is, uh, you know, investors have, have stopped to take a breath to try to determine whether or not there really is uh, enough um, uh, I guess intent in uh, in Washington to truly have some some regulatory change. And if you look at what's happened, it almost feels like the Republican Party has bifurcated at this point. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Freedom. Uh, what do they call it? The Freedom, freedom Caucus. Caucus yeah. There you go. Who is uh, uh, probably a, a good bit more conservative than the remainder of the uh, the Republican Party, and and uh, they're starting to push their weight around a little bit. They want. Uh, they don't want. In their words, Obamacare light. They right. want, they want a repeal yeah, of Obamacare. Complete repeal. Yeah, and 
you know, they're talking as if they will accept nothing else. Yeah. So, um, you know, they're not going to vote. I, now you've got uh, our president who's out tweeting that uh, he's going to challenge both them and the Democrats in the midterm elections, which... Uh, yeah. you know, well, that, that, it does seem like we're been in a bit of a tailspin. It kind of yeah. forces the the hand, and you know, I was reading an article, and I guess it was the Wall Street Journal. I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but talking about how the the Freedom Caucus is is somewhat putting uh, President Trump in the same position as Obama was in terms of having to rely on the executive order to to get anything accomplished, and right. it's just a changing landscape in the the political environment. No doubt. Um, and and to be honest with you, we've we're up uh, approximately 11 percent since the election. Yeah. Uh, five months ago. Yeah. Uh, president's been in office for what, a little over two months, right at two months. Yeah. And uh, you know the market the market took off and and ran. You know it it always is forward looking, so it gets out in front of itself quite often. But right. uh, you know as we look at at what's going on, it doesn't hurt my feelings that the market's pulled back, kind of take a breather, yeah, let's see some earnings catch up with the numbers that we've got. Maybe we'll get some uh some true hard regulation, which is what is expected at this point, and uh we'll just see how it goes from there but um it has been definitely interesting to see what's going on over the last couple of weeks. That's true, never a dull moment, <laughs> not lately. Uh, so we've got some economic news that's come out this week. Uh, S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index, uh, existing home price appreciation accelerated in the three months into January compared to the same period in December uh, a year ago. Um, growth in the headline 20-city composite index rose 5.7%, up from 5.5% in December. Uh, pretty good news. It's uh, it's one of the spots where we have have uh, seen quite a bit of positive news in yeah. the housing industry really over the last, what, seven, eight years? Because it sure. was so abysmal back in uh, 07, 08, even as late as 06. But uh, we also had uh, conference board consumer confidence out this week. Consumers uh, haven't been this optimistic since 2000. Mm. Uh, immediate implications for uh, for spending is is modest still, though. So, so, uh, so does the uh, the old adage be be greedy when everyone's fear, fearful and fearful when everyone's greedy apply? <laughs> we? Well, I, you would assume it always applies, right? Yeah. Uh, so it, the one positive thing, if there is just one, uh, consumers drive our economy. So yeah. if they if their attitudes are positive, guess what? It's usually a positive for the overall economy. So uh, ultimately, good news. Uh, jobless claims and um, MBA mortgage applications are a, a normal weekly thing. Mortgage applications uh, decreased. Uh, mortgage applications decreased by 0.8 percent. Refinance index was down 2.8, and the purchase index was uh, up 1.2 percent. So that's kind of a thing of uh, of spring. We see houses being purchased, plus the interest rate uh, increase is kind of set in with most people, so there aren't too many refinances. It's it's not surprising as yeah. long as we've had interest rates as low as they were uh, that we wouldn't see a whole lot of action when we start going the other direction. Yeah, we get up to uh, a little over 4%, I guess, on the 30-year 30 30-year 30 average mortgage rate, and people start freaking out like it's <laughs> the highest it could possibly be. Uh, yeah, and, uh, uh, a little bit of change. Threes. Yeah, it's, it's all relative, right? Yeah. The whole world. Well, let's take a quick break here, guys, and... Uh, We'll come back with uh, with a dog of the week, uh, and later on we'll answer some financial questions. It's time for the dog of the week. 
All right, guys, uh, dog of the week this week. I usually try to get some sort of an animal in there, but guess what? We get a break this week from that. We were talking about our political situation uh, earlier in the show, and uh, guess what? If you think you got it bad, listen to this. Venezuela has uh, decided, their, their Supreme Court has decided to take over Congress. And uh, awesome. I, I'm, I'm not sure if you understand. Checks and balances are, <laughs> yeah. are uh, we, at work. Uh, yeah, there, there, a lot of the folks from Venezuela are saying that this is uh, this is tantamount to a coup by the uh, by their um, leader. Uh, but President Nicolas Maduro is being called a dictator uh, after Congress took. I mean, Congress was taken over by the Supreme Court of Venezuela. I don't think we're anywhere close to that, right, guys? No, I don't think so. I don't no, know. not yet. All right, Although so we've the, seen some strange things. Some of those out questions of that uh, Gorsuch was getting, I don't know, you might think that that's his intent just by. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know what? There's been so many things back and forth, even in our own situation, that you can understand when uh, one party does something that's a thumb in the eye to the other. Yeah. Uh, didn't, didn't the uh, Republicans uh, kind of yeah, uh, they... wait until we had an election before they decided we would have even a discussion about? Who's going to be our uh, replacement? They did Supreme Court justice. They, they so, were uh, they were taking their time for sure. Yeah, well, um, I don't think that we're anywhere close to a situation like they have down in Venezuela, and let's all be thankful for that. It's yeah. uh, it, it, to me these sorts of things are just unbelievable. You see, you see countries, and and I think we could probably all agree that uh, Venezuela is a third world country, and um, you see things happen. Um, you know, didn't we have? Was it Hugo Chavez used to be in, in yeah. control of Venezuela? Some of his uh, antics and his uh, socialistic moves back when he was in power, uh, he's passed away now. Uh, the, the things that he did caused the grief that they've had for so long. They've had horrible inflation recently, uh, not very much in the way of uh, economic growth. And now they have this to contend with. And, and by the way, the Supreme Court did this because there were uh, – uh, Corruption charges um, from one of their states, uh, from from actually three of the members of their Congress, and uh, uh, although those members are gone, the Supreme Court said that they the Congress handled itself in an unco- in an incorrect manner, and uh, they thought that it was best that they just take over the whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes, makes sense. I, makes I, sense. I, I think I could probably easily get behind the folks that are saying that uh, Mr. Maduro is uh, is acting as a dictator. Anyway, so there's your uh, dog of the week. If you think you got it bad here, it can always be worse. It's, it's the way I used to tell. Uh, there's an old truck driver joke, and uh, for those of you who don't know it, I uh, used to own a part of a trucking company. And uh, when I was in that business, a lot of these drivers would tell me that uh, the way that they cope with their day is they'd get up and they'd go out in the truck and uh, open the door and put their hand in the door and slam it. Nice. And nothing worse would happen to them all day. That's like the. So I uh, guess that's kind of the way to go, right? Mark Twain said, "If you wake up every morning and eat a frog, I think was it a frog, a toad, something every it sounds right. Nothing, for nothing him. worse will happen. <laughs> nothing worse day, all so. day long. So, so there you have it. You can, uh, like I say, if you think our political situation is bad, go read the story. It's uh, it's available online. Venezuela opposition cries foul after court takeover of Congress. So uh, there you go. World News, March 30th. Yeah. Anyway, guys, uh, we do have uh, what we're going to call this the situation That's right. uh, nowadays, since uh, Bill tells us that every time somebody says the un, 
the unattractive word case study. Careful, Troy. We're going to have to bleep that out. I know. Yeah. (laughs) We probably should. (laughs) Uh, That uh, people immediately fall asleep. I apologize if you're driving, if you're sitting at a traffic light. Hey, wake up. (laughs) It's time to move on. Damn, scared me. All right. Well, that was the intent. Okay. All right. So, uh, guys, what do we got this week? Uh, Sounds like Grandpa's causing some trouble. Yeah. He's in love. Grandpa's in love. It's spring, you know. Spring spring. is in the air. That's right. People do some crazy things. I guess. Yeah. yeah. He's in love with a younger lady. She's only 64. She's 64. He's 87. Mm Mm-hmm. So we've got a a situation. A Um, situation. We got a we have a, a couple here, I guess, Mike, uh, Lindsay, and, and Mitchell, um, who are ages 55 and 53 respectively. Um, their their grandpa, I don't, it might be that their actual father. I'm not sure yeah. based on the the way that this is presented. I'd have to guess if they're 50. The age difference would make it kind of tight to be the grandpa, although not not completely implausible. Never know. Right? Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so the the situation is that. Um, you know, Grandpa has about $12 million in assets. They also have a family-owned company that he is a 49% owner of. That that value of that company is not included in the $12 million. Um, so obviously they're a little concerned about the Grandpa's new love interest being significantly younger than he is. Um, relationship. She also has a bit of a history, right? Yeah, she She's does. On her third? Yeah, third this, is, this will be number four? This will be number four. If, if, they, if they get married. Yes, yes. So uh, also Grandpa is... Been acting a little unusual lately. He's been, uh, you know, not his normal conservative self, acting erratic and not necessarily taking his medication regularly and spending wow. a lot more that than he does. That can be dangerous. So there's a uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of potential problems here, I guess. Um, you know, the, the uh, what the the question is 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 what do they need to do to protect themselves? Meaning Lindsay and, and Mitchell in, in terms of um, being able to uh, make sure that. The younger woman is not going to influence Grandpa necessarily, and and basically cut them out of the picture from an inheritance standpoint. So this I'm is sure. not something that we've we're absolutely new to. I think we've heard yeah, this is more not of these a, situations. It, you know, definitely not an uncommon situation. Yeah. Uh, we hear them quite frequently, and and uh, you know it's sort of a shame, it, and it just kind of. Uh, illustrates the point that people need to be very careful about how they set up their estate plan and be clear about what their intentions are really before you get into this situation is the biggest thing because it's hard to go back and right. retroactively apply anything that uh, once once the wheels are set in motion. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing with what we're, what we're looking at now, right? I mean, he's now in love. Yeah. You, you go back to a situation where they confront him, you know, that's going to be a potential problematic conversation to sure. to say, all right, we want to make sure that you have some things in place to protect right. the family assets, you know, be it the estate, the business, and or the inheritance. Right. Those are tough conversations to have when you have the love conversations. Right. right. That's right. <laughs> so, well, I mean, the, I, I'm not sure. You sounded kind of like Barry White for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that was unintentional. <laughs> The uh, You know, if you look at this from a, an asset point of view, which w- we would probably recommend starting there. So trying to think about what are the assets that are at risk versus the ones that are not, uh, you know, the business is probably relatively safe. Grandpa's a minority owner. Um, he, he, 49%. 49% is still a, a large doesn't, portion. He doesn't have control. He doesn't have control. 
Um, you know, the, the, there's probably documents that are in place for the business uh, succession plan and, th- and such. Um, business is not as big of a concern, although it should definitely be be reviewed. Make sure that those articles of incorporation or the bylaws of the business are structured to sure. To and, and hopefully, there's a buy sell agreement in the yeah, middle of that. Yeah, yeah. So that it's it's clear on how partners come and go. Right. Exactly. So um, I guess Lindsay and then her brother are are. Um, both in the family, they're both kind of co-CEOs of the the family business. So oh, okay. they're they're not unfamiliar with the business. They have day to day operations that they're they're in it. So um, not not the, some of the problems that you have where the heirs are a little bit unfamiliar with the business. Um, so not not so much a problem in this case. There's also a trust that that Lindsay and her brother inherited from their late mother, which I assume was Grandpa's wife. Um, you know, the, so that trust is, is pretty protected. Uh, not a whole lot that they can do. They're the final beneficiaries. The only problem with that is Grandpa is the trustee. Yeah. So, um, you know, there is some power that he has to, to um, control the distributions from the trust uh, to some extent, although he can't really change the ultimate beneficiaries right. of the trust because yeah. it's irrevocable. Right. He'll have to follow the, the letter of the law the in guidelines. that regard. Right? Which is the important aspect of a trust. You, you set that up before. There's somewhat control for sure. this particular uh, you situation. You know what? All these situations we're talking about, whether it be you know the trust situation or or uh, the buy sell agreement in the business itself, if you think that uh, things could potentially go wrong, and hey, trust me, they always could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you should probably plan ahead and make sure that there's some kind of a document that tells you exactly how things should be handled. No, and we recommend that the clients, even if they're relatively uh, familiar with their estate situation, that they have a review done at least every couple of years just yeah. to make sure that the intentions are compl- are clearly spelled out and that nothing has changed from the way that you set it in motion. Um, you know, sometimes the, the documents are put together in a way that has a lot of legal jargon and uh, they're not as, they're not that easy to read. You know, wills and trust documents and and the like. So, uh, have have somebody that you trust, uh, whether it's a financial advisor or an estate planner, or an attorney, read over that stuff and and tell you what it says and make sure that that aligns with with what your wishes are. Um, I guess we're we're kind of running short up against it here, so maybe we can uh, take a break and then come back and talk about some other options of how they can s- get Grandpa squared away here and make sure that that they're protected from. The younger, the younger woman. There we go. <laughs> Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. This is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm uh, Troy Harmon. I'm here with Casey Smith and DJ Barker, and uh, we're talking about, as salacious as it sounds, it's Grandpa in Love. That's right, Grandpa in Love. And uh, I really don't mean to poke fun at it. It's actually a serious situation. The the reality is these things can uh, can cause a lot of strife in in people's life when you... I, you know, I'm sure some listeners have probably dealt with uh, situations that they wish they had more control over, and really the the best way to do that is to uh, kind of see if you can foresee these things coming. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. When money's involved, it can bring out the best of people or oh, the absolute worst of. More of often those. than not, it's the latter. Yes, yeah. it's sad we to watch it. too. It is and unfortunate. Yeah, we we've watched 
too many of those situations. But guys, uh, y'all had a few more things that we want to cover before we leave the subject. So go for it. Yeah. So what we want to really talk through, Casey, is, you know, is grandpa of sound mind? You know, mm-hmm. do, do we need to worry about power of attorney? You know, do we do we worry about a trust? You know, how do we move forward with, you know, figuring out next steps. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, those first two questions, are, if grandpa's of sound mind or not, is important. Obviously, um, if he is, you know, he's going to do what he wants to do. There's not a absolutely. whole lot you can do about it. Uh, you know, Lindsay and Mitchell in this case, uh, or Lindsay, I guess, and her brother, Mitchell is her husband, so different different person. But the uh, Lindsay and her brother do have power of attorney uh, on grandpa. It doesn't say whether it's, um, I guess it's springing, meaning that it only takes effect if upon him becoming deemed incapacitated, which basically means that they got to go in front of a judge and have uh, some some documentation to, from doctors, and, and the judge has to declare that he is, in fact, incapacitated, and then they can utilize that power of attorney to kind of uh, take over, take if over. you will, yeah. for, for Grandpa in, in terms of his financial affairs. So, guys, in your experience, is that a difficult task? It, it, number one, it does sound like Grandpa might be offended at, uh, yeah. Yeah. at, at dealing with it's these. It's definitely and, difficult. And how much, I mean, how much strange action has to occur? Uh, I think any of us probably who've been in love before understand that we don't act exactly uh, sane sometimes and rational. rational. Uh, So it can be problematic for sure. There's not not a whole lot that can be done. I mean, that's why it's really important to kind of iron these things out before you get into a situation where you're, you know, a marriage might be imminent or something like that because, um, you know, up until the point that that he is, that to the extent that he has capacity – uh, then it, he's pretty much free to do whatever do what he, he wants, wants. What he, with his money. It's his money. Um, so that being said, you know, it, it, there are some trusts that can be used in this situation um, had they kind of pre-planned uh, a little bit ahead of time. Um, the, the first one is probably what would be recommended here according to the estate planners that, that we talked to about this situation. Um, it's called a Q-tip trust. So, um some people may be familiar with the, the AB trust or the the bypass trust, or called a lot of different things. But um, will, will this one help your hearing, or is it just <laughs> my yeah that, my basic don't, don't, rudimentary understanding that's that's way wrong? Yeah, don't not to be confused with the uh, the cotton swab on the end of a stick. All right, this is a what, qualified. What there we go. Qualified Terminable Interest Property Trust. Yeah. So a little that told bit, me very little. But yes. Thank you for the <laughs> clarification. Um, so essentially what, what happens in a lot of cases is that they'll set up two trusts. One is called a bypass trust, and they'll um, you'll put up to the estate tax exclusion amount. So we're talking about $5.45 million today as of 2017. Um, put that amount in the bypass trust so that you can take advantage of the estate tax exclusion amount. Put the remainder in a marital trust, which, you know, the, the bypass trust, the beneficiaries can be the children, the income, you know, the beneficiaries can really be anybody. That that goes out of your estate. So um, you get that out of your estate and you use up your uh, unified credit, $5.45 million. Pass the remainder to the spouse, the surviving spouse, into this Q-tip trust. Um, usually it's, it's a marital trust, which is, does not have the Q-tip election on it. Um, so the executor of the will would have to... Uh, elect to create the Q-tip trust and to have the assets transferred in there. So the executor in this case becomes very important because if it's, you know, the the younger new wife is the executor, she might elect not to have the assets transfer into the the Q-tip trust because they she could have them just 
paid directly to her and they would get the marital marital exclusion and, and uh, everything would just go to her estate rather than the children. The, the important thing about the Q-tip trust that distinguishes it from the marital trust is that their the spouse, the surviving spouse, doesn't have the ability to change the beneficiaries and really to invade the corpus to any major extent, meaning the the principle of the trust. Yeah, they're just receiving that income they stream just get the from income the trust, and then that's it. So uh, it is included in their estate when they pass away. Um, so the theory is that they would have be able to use the remainder of their exclusion, the five point four five million, to to pass outside of or you know, get the, get the credit on their estate tax, and then they would have to pay estate tax on everything above and beyond that. So, so, so guys, I mean, you bring up a good point. Who should be the trustee on on a a trust? Not only this one, but in general, do you have and and don't answer? Obviously, if this is too much of a legal question, I know neither of you are lawyers, but uh, who do you normally recommend to be the trustee? I mean, it's a it is a tough question. A lot of times. It, the, the Q-tip is a, a very useful uh, trust for a second marriage uh, when you've got children probably from a previous marriage or, or something where if it's the first marriage, you know, a lot of times the spouses uh, are each other's trustee for, the, for these types of trust. If it's just a normal marital trust, um, you know, that you can have your children be trustees, although it's uh, – you know, if you've got more than one, that can be problematic. Who, who's who's get the, the favorite, right? That's <laughs> exactly. the conversation. Exactly. And, and it's hard to have co-trustees because you have to uh, yeah. make a lot of the decisions together. And, and so it, it's a very personal question. It depends on, on what your situation is, family dynamic. And we um, see friends, friends, close friends of the family. Uh, trusted advisors. Of, yeah. um, you know, you can't have a professional trustee. So there are companies that trust companies that that's what they do is they manage trust for people. Um, you know, we've uh, we've had clients that have done that through, um, you know, uh, our, our legal department um, has, has acted as the trustee for a fee. Uh, we typically don't recommend that just because it can get kind of expensive and right. and it's hard to, to have a professional trustee really know what the wishes are any better than somebody who's maybe in the family or at least a trusted person that, that kind of knew. Uh, family dynamic. The family or, dynamic, yeah. exactly. Uh, but for longevity's sake, I would assume that uh, a trust company might be a better option if you assume that the trust is going to last multiple generations. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely not a bad option. It's just that you know there's going to be a fee associated with it, and yeah. um, to, so you just kind of have to weigh that out and figure out what your what your wishes are. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, I know I'm here for comic relief and to talk about the stock market, but when it comes to uh, to things of this matter, that's uh, that's where you want your financial planner to get involved. Uh, Guys, uh, as always, we like to answer financial questions on the show, and uh, we have quite a few of them today. Before we get started into that, uh, you know we have a question hotline that you can reach at 1-855-429-9166. And uh, if you should call into there, you can uh, ask your question. We'll play it on the air and then answer it afterwards. We do not have one of those today, but uh, you could be next. Uh, and then if you have, you know, if you have your question, you don't want to call into that line, you can uh, email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. And uh, you can also call us, uh, local number, 770-429-9166. Uh, and you can uh, talk to uh, an individual or you, could, uh, you can also reach our financial planners in that same manner. So uh, that's our information, uh, how you can reach us. 
Uh, you can also find us on all sorts of social media if you uh, wonder exactly how. Remember that spelling, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R, Hensler.com. You can uh, find multiple ways to connect with us. And uh, we have a question this week from Heathcliff from Roswell, and it's, uh, it's one that, that kind of hurts my heart to, to watch happen. Uh, I was listening to you last week about Sears Future. Sears Holding Company, that is, and yes, that's the the old Sears Roebuck and Company. I uh, said uh, I just read that they sold the Craftsman Tool line to Stanley Black and Decker. Did this contribute to their eventual demise? What will happen to the Kenmore brand? Well, uh, you know, this has been a, a debate that's been ongoing for uh, since May at least of last year, uh, where Sears came out and said that they were uh, looking at potential options to sell. Kenmore, their Craftsman line, and uh, Die Hard battery line. And uh, these are three uh, expensive brands. They, they were hoping that instead of selling them outright that they might find someone to partner with so that they could uh, retain the ownership of the brand. Uh, but in the case of Craftsman, it sounds like they've found a, a buyer with uh, Stanley Black & Decker. Mm -hmm. So the Stanley Works are going to take over Craftsman Tool. And uh, you know, is this uh, the death now? Yeah, I believe it. It probably is part of it. Uh, last middle of last week, we also heard that uh, Stan, uh, that uh, Sears Holdings said that uh, they have concerns that there might be an issue with the business as a going concern, yeah. meaning that their operations may not be sufficient to pay off their debt. Mm -hmm. Strangest thing has happened since then. Stock was trading in a range around eight bucks. Today it's selling for eleven fifty. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Holy it? cow! No, it uh, it doesn't make sense, and uh, I think you have to look really deep in order to figure out exactly what's going on. But a lot of it, I think, is is based on the fact that the debt holder and uh, and both of the biggest shareholders, the debt holder, the, the biggest debt holder is Eddie Lampert with uh, uh, I think it's ESL Capital. He's a, a private equity guy. Holds the, the uh, shares. I, I tell you what, guys, before we get to the very end of this answer, why don't we take a real quick break? Don't really have enough time to, to flesh it out. But uh, when we come back, we'll talk more about Sears holding and maybe get to a couple of others. Y'all stick around. We're, uh, you're listening to Money Talks, and we'll be right back after we pay a few bills. I think we'll stay, at least for another segment. How about that, guys? Why not? We're here, right? Uh, sure. I think that was a plan all along. Yeah. <laughs> we'll stick around for a few more minutes. Uh, so before the break, we were talking about uh, Sears Holding selling off Craftsman to uh, to the Stanley Black & Decker. And, uh, yeah, it's a sad situation yeah. to watch. End of an uh, era. Yeah, yeah. DJ, in one of the breaks, I know we were talking about the lifetime guarantee that's right. on their tools. When they Craftsman break, tools, that's right. It's a, it's a lifetime, but you never ask the question when you're standing there. You assume that it means your lifetime. Maybe it's just the lifetime of Sears. Right. Uh, well, the thing is, with Stanley Black & Decker, they actually have several other lines of tools. They sell tools under their own uh, brand. They sell a, a brand called Proto. Uh, they also own the Mac Tool 
trucks that you uh, they, they own the franchise company that owns those Mac tool trucks, and, sure. and they too have a lifetime guarantee. So I would assume that your answer is yes, that the the uh, uh, lifetime warranty will still be honored by Stanley, and and uh, you know going forward, you're still going to be able to have that Craftsman name. Uh, they weren't always the premium tool. In fact, somebody like a Snap-on or a, a Mac Tools or uh, maybe even Matco was is considered by the professional mechanic as as uh, probably the higher standard. Yeah, mm-hmm. when it when it comes to tools. But here's the thing: what would you say if Apple came out and said, you know what, iPhone's been great to us, but we think we're going to sell off that asset. We we're just going to let somebody else take care of it from here. It would be a very strange situation. Right. Anytime you see a company that decides that, hey, yeah, we got these awesome assets, but, uh, uh, you know, and they've been around for a very long time, yeah, maybe we're just going to sell them. It, they're, they're too cumbersome for us to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it would just be strange. It's not a good sign. Uh, the fact, you know, I was throwing out the, the notion that uh, Eddie Lampert holds the um, the debt for the company. Uh, if you look, the debt is currently... Uh, rated at like a CCC plus, which is about three rungs from the very bottom of the of the ladder yes. on the, the bond rating list, which means that they're speculative. Uh, questionable as to whether or not the company is going to be able to meet its debt is mm-hmm. what the rating agency would tell you. They're and saying we shouldn't rush out and buy a bunch of Sears bonds or anything. Uh, no, <laughs> and <laughs> if you could find them, I would say absolutely don't. But I think most of the debt's being being handled internally. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the cost of capital it's, uh, that's being shown by Sears, it's 5%. Now, if I look at, uh, you know, some of the other companies that are out there, including maybe... How is maybe that even, possible? Well, uh, it, they're getting a sweetheart deal from a guy that owns about 29% of the equity. <laughs> of the equity, so, right. Yeah. So uh, if he's going to own the equity, you assume he gets in the very last part of the line... Uh, but he also holds a lot of the debt as well. Mm-hmm. He'll probably surely get his money from the debt if he can sell off all the assets and still have something left, yeah. uh, and maybe even some of the equity. Uh, it came out last week that the second largest holder uh, that holds almost 27% of the company's equity stock uh, also bought more last month. So I think uh, traders are assuming that that, uh, well, if they're willing to put more money into the equity, there must be something there. I'm telling you right now, I do not recommend buying Sears Holdings. <laughs> I would not. Although it went up, you know, like I said, on, on my advice, you would have lost the opportunity to make three more bucks on your $8 investment from last week. But it's still, when the company is telling you that there's not a going concern, I would say back away yeah. and they're selling their assets, there is not a good sign no. here. So. Um, Writing's on the wall. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's a lot going on in uh, in the retail industry. It's not just them. We got another question about Amazon. Natalie from Dallas says, I saw that Amazon announced they've decided against opening a retail store. I would have thought this would be a good decision, uh, but the stock seems to think other- otherwise. Is, uh, is this why the... Uh, there's been a pop in the retail stores like Nordstrom, Gap, and Kohl's. Furthermore, stores like Nordstrom and Gap are mainly clothing. Is Amazon really hurting the sale of clothing? Uh, I guess I think Amazon is more of a stuff store that's uh, killing Best Buy and Barnes and & Noble. Uh, well, reality is uh, Amazon has quite a few stores. In fact, they, they've got one uh, here locally in Atlanta um, that's uh, North Point Mall, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they really have, as much as anything, it's it's kind of like a bookstore. It's got some of their gadgetry, 
Uh, the, I think you can buy the, the Kindle and, and uh, other items you can feel and touch and hold. But they, I, I don't think you, you heard the news exactly right, Natalie. It, it seems that uh, Amazon said that they, they do intend to stay in that business. And, and part of the reason that uh, some of these other retailers seem to be getting a little bit of a boost is because it's, uh, it's, it's an admission by Amazon, who's been kicking everybody's tail, that they really do need that yeah. physical Brick location. Brick and mortar is not completely, not completely gone. Right. Uh, the problem is, though, the whole industry, retail as a whole, this includes Sears as well, and it's a big portion of what, what's hurting. I mean, I really look at Sears, the catalog of old, as kind of the, the Amazon of its day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get new technology, and that has obviously come under serious pressure, but it's revenue growth. So what you see when you've got one player in the market uh, growing at over 20%, and that I'm talking about Amazon, yep. and you got everybody else that's trying to eke out a 3 to 5% uh, revenue growth, um, Amazon's taking market share, and they're taking it from just about everybody. Yeah. Uh, if you ask me, and I've talked about this before, one of the stories that Amazon came out and talked about uh, this week was the fact that they're trying to encourage folks like uh, General Mills and some of those Staples-type companies to go direct to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh I have actually on this radio show several months ago talked to at length about how if technology is what it is, what keeps the manufacturer from skipping over the middleman that is the retailer yeah. and going direct? So Amazon is trying to do whatever they can to hurt Walmart, which in my opinion is one of the, the, the biggest threats, if not the biggest threat, uh, to Amazon and its its uh, takeover of the world. Yeah, if anybody's going to be able to compete, it's going to be Walmart, and they've yeah. done pretty well with their uh, their acquisition was Jet.com. Jet. Com. Yeah, just a few months ago, yeah. took out Jet.com, and and uh, they've used that as a platform to try to boost their e-commerce. Yeah, and it's actually been working pretty well. Uh, on the back of that, they also revamped kind of the department stores. Uh, scheme within the store, making uh, each department have a manager, kind of enlisting them to take some pride in their work, and, mm-hmm. and that too has seemed to help uh, Walmart. But what you see with Amazon is they they seem to be working as hard as they can to be the next Walmart. They want distribution. They want uh, uh, a way to get the, the uh, goods in the hands of the consumer, and that's part of what they're talking about. They're going to uh, supposedly show around uh, these uh, these consumer staple companies and show them how they do it so that they could build out a platform that would allow them to get the the goods in the hands of the consumer without it ever touching Walmart, ever helping Walmart. It's kind of the uh, uh, the situation that they're, uh, they're looking at uh, a way that would also skip themselves, but they're not really doing that well in that grocery space. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of a strange situation. It is going to be interesting to see how that plays out because, you know, Walmart, if you think about how Walmart is set up, if you looked at those stores, you know, as a warehouse, it's really what it is. I mean, right. and that's how they can – their distribution is is already – the infrastructure is already there, which is what Amazon would, would love to have right. um, in terms of being able to get the, the items in the consumer's hands a lot quicker and easier. Right. Um, but, you know – it's going to be. It's a, definitely an interesting dynamic, and uh, Amazon is a is a tough competitor. They're, they are not going anywhere. You soon. know what's strange from the from the point of view of a financial analyst, though. Uh, I know that this is a, a relatively low profit margin business. Yeah. 
So in order to make very much money at all, you have to turn your assets. You have to, you know, turnover is huge. Mm -hmm. How many times you can turn the assets, which means that you have to manage inventory as small as possible and and continue ramping up that revenue growth. Uh, You look at Amazon, uh, return on equity, 14.5%. They're not really uh, hugely indebted, uh, but their EVA spread where, you know, the cost of capital at uh, 10.3%. Take in, take in mind, you look at, uh, we just talked about Sears with a 5% cost of capital, yeah. and Amazon's is 10%. That's why I'm telling you, yeah. there's something, something wrong, something, something weird at Amazon, uh, or at, at Sears, Sears, rather. Yeah. But, uh, you know, all things considered, you have to uh, you have to be mindful of those sorts of things. Um, most of these businesses are doing something, but the ones that seem that, that I believe will probably succeed in the end are going to be those that take on that e-commerce and try to grow it. All right, guys, real quick, KC, market up or down next week? Market's going up. All right. Up. DJ. You know me, I'm always up. You've been listening to Money Talks. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.